The thing I love when I talk to founders is how they rely on the thing that they know best. If you were an engineer and you founded your own company, you rely on your engineering skills and your organization is typically an engineering-led, development-led company. If you're an operations person, you run a tight ship. And occasionally, I meet a marketer who became a founder. And guess what? They focus their time, efforts, and energies on market-driven, customer-driven strategies. Now, the really interesting thing is, even if you've done this three or four times, you've done it over 5, 10, 15, 20 years and been a multiple founder, a successful founder, even a failure along the way, everything changes. There's too much to learn. And so you need to rely on your core strengths to get you through the day. Well, today we're going to talk to one founder who is also a marketer who has a great perspective on how to build a market-driven, customer-driven organization. All today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Super excited. We've got Matt Benatti. He's the co-founder and CEO of LeadGnome. It's an AI software that mines replies for emails and sales alignment. It really is a way to help you figure out how to get the best messages out to your clients, to your leads, and how to do that effectively. But beyond that, the thing that I love about Matt when I sat down and talked with him a while ago was how he really thought about building a company that has minimal viable product, total addressable market, ideal customer profiles. And if those sounds like buzzy uh, marketing acronyms, you know, they are to some degree, but for the most part, Matt is very focused on find your market, build a product and services that meets the needs of that market, and then go address that market. And along the way, continue to evolve and figure out how you're connecting with your customer. Not that complicated, but we're going to let Matt simplify it and tell a great story. So Matt, let's take it away. Matt, who are you and why are you here? I'm here because you asked me to be here, and I'm Good excited answer. about it. Good answer. I love that right <laughs> off the bat. I'm, I'm, up a, the you know, I'm a startup guy. I'm a founder guy, right? So uh, why not join the fun? Uh, I am Matt Panati. I am the CEO of a startup called LeadGnome, uh, where we're taking MarTech by storm, uh, doing something that nobody's ever done before, which is looking at auto replies and mining great sales and marketing information. Uh, for our sales and marketing team customers and pushing that right back into their CRMs and marketing automation platforms. So I'm in the thick of startup world. I've been at, I don't know, must be four or five startups now and um, I've loved every moment of it. I find that I'm, I'm most inspired and enthusiastic when I'm in a, a small a startup environment and able to have a large impact. And so I'm very excited to be with you today. Well, perfect. Uh, and this is, this is going to be good because I think you, you hit on a lot of levels here that resonate with the audience, the founder, you're, you know, four time founder, you keep coming back for more, right? You're a glutton for punishment and happy to do it. You, you're in the tech space you got an amazing technology, an amazing platform. I, I want to make sure that we weave some of that into the conversation today because I, I've really been impressed with it. But you also have this great sense of, you know, 
macro and micro. Here's what's happening in the industry. Here's the consolidation and direction. And then here's how it figures into somebody like me, the founder of this organization. And here's the kind of things that I'm working with. And here's what my customers are dealing with. And so again, lots of places we can talk. Let's start on this one because this was really interesting. You, you had this great perspective on on kind of pain and fit in the marketplace, right? And a lot of organizations going in and starting off and feeling some pain, but not quite having to fit there. So let's let's just start as this as a good, you know, opening salvo. Give me your thoughts on pain and fit. Yeah, absolutely. Pain and fit are critically important. Uh, but I also just want to do one thing before we start there. Uh, I am a founder today. I have been at many startups, but I'm not a four-time founder. Okay. Sure, people. I'm just trying to be above board about that. Um, uh, this is my first time, uh, you know, at the helm. I'm loving it, but just just so we set the record straight. Okay. Perfect. All right. Now, All right. now we've established a good platform for trust. We can now we can continue. Perfect. Exactly. I love that. Thanks. All right, so for, so fit, right? Market fit is one of those things that every founder believes they have immediately. And the reality is very rarely do we have fit immediately. In fact, most startups pivot multiple times. It's rare that a startup has their, uh, their concept completely baked and everybody falls in line and revenue just starts pouring in and the, you know, the, the sky's part, it's all sunshine and bluebirds floating around. It's rare. Uh, and so what I have seen from my peers that have, have, have walked this path is homework, lots and lots of homework. And that requires interviews uh, of all kinds. And typically nowadays where people want to, to go is interview and then have what is known as an MVP, right? A, a minimum viable product where they'll go out and almost demo it, have people use it for free, et cetera, et cetera, honing that concept more and more so that they know that the fit is there. Because ultimately, the only thing that decides success is revenue, right? People will use yeah. things for free. And it's when they will plunk down some money and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to pay for this, that you know you've got something that is useful to the market. Well, and one of the things that you were, you know, you were talking about is almost this idea of let's call it niche pain, right? Where you feel like there's just enough and people will go in and they'll build a product and they'll build a service and solution, but there's not enough pain for sustainability there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those questions of pain and also price point. Yeah. And, and, and both have to be in enough abundance, I guess I'll say, uh, that you can uh, charge enough across enough folks to make the economics work. Now, it could be a $10 widget, but you have 10 million people that want to buy it. That's fine. It could also be $100,000 average contract value, and you don't have to sell so many of them. But the economics have to work out. And so... Part of fit is certainly pain and concept and whether people say, yes, that resonates with me. I would, I would certainly purchase that. And then the next part is, well, is it a feature or is it an yeah. actual company? Uh, and, and that's, that's huge. 
I've uh, advised quite a few organizations like that where, you know, that's sort of the fundamental beginning question um, when market fit is starting to um, see the light of day and you're going, yep, this has some fit. People like this type of capability. Now the question is, what's the price point? And so we have to think about things relative to what you're building. So let's just take an example, right? Let's say that I'm going to build uh, a new um, add-on, a new plugin to HubSpot, right? right? Pick your favorite platform, but let's just use HubSpot. You have to know what people, what HubSpot charges its customers because it's, it's probably not a good idea if you believe you can charge more to that customer than what the platform costs them. Right. I mean, it's just, right. I mean, maybe, but highly unlikely. And so you have to figure out, okay, well, what, how much does this elevate that customer's uh, world, right? Their, their ability to do whatever it is that this plugin is supposed to, how, how much does it elevate the platform? And uh, that gives you a relative sense of, of what you can charge. Right. So can you charge 10%? of in this in this example hubspot's platform cost or one percent of it etc uh and and that can be a way of sort of honing in on price point right and then you can do economics well gee there's there's x number of companies that i could possibly sell this to in my total addressable market right tam is another important piece here uh and if x times that number comes out to be something that is a good business, you should go for it, right? Because you have a chance of, there's lots of other barriers, but at least that works out. Um, And if not, you really have to think about uh, whether you should start to pour money into something. Well, and so it's, it's interesting that you're bringing all these up because I will, you know, give, certainly give a plug for the book that, uh, that we just came out with called Beyond Product. And, and in the first two chapters, the things we talk about are, finding your TAM and we even take it a step further and talk about your total addressable and then your serviceable addressable market. Like how many people can you actually service in that space? Right. And it's one thing to say you're part of a $2 billion industry, but how many of them can you really win and what does that really look like? So let's be honest with ourselves about those numbers. And then the second is really thinking about, okay, what's that minimal viable product? And then who's the persona of the the customer that I'm looking for? What's that person really look like? And so, you know, you're firing on all cylinders here on, helping to get these founders working through those first couple of steps so that it's not so ready, fire, aim. Like I've got this great idea. I'm going to go build something and then, Oh, now I'm going to go find if there's a market for it, which I think is a, is a problem. A lot of these companies have. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, and sort of the dovetail on that, I think about everybody talks about ICP, right? Ideal customer profile. Uh, The way I look at that, is ideal customer profile, if we think about it as an equation, right? I'm a, I'm a geek in back, right? In background <laughs> and a data guy. So I think of ICP as equaling uh, ideal account profile plus ideal buyer profile, right? And so the reason I think about it that way is traditionally sales is thought about accounts and marketing is thought about persona. But these organizations are really merging. They're, they're aligning much better these days. Uh, look no further than the account-based marketing 
kind of, uh, you know, trajectory right now. That's that's where everybody is. And so when we as an organization lay out an ICP, when we define an ICP with these two pieces to it, it's amazing what happens. Sales and marketing can actually talk to each other because sales looks at this buyer persona in this equation and reads through it um, or even helps to frame it and yeah. vice versa. Marketing looks at the account side of this equation and uh, you get a real synergy. And without both of those, as you mentioned, you're, you're not really firing in all cylinders, right? It's, if you don't know who in the organization you're going after, that's no good and vice versa. You gotta yeah. know which organizations are best fit. Yeah, that's a that's a, such a great point because I think that's one that's often overlooked and gets nuanced as organizations don't really understand again who the ultimate buyer is and then who the organization is that they're going after, and so yeah. they kind of they sort of flail wildly in the space, sort of looking for anybody that'll give them a foothold, a toehold in in their organization. Yeah, yeah, I remember my first startups. Uh, you know, there was always this fear that we were going to capture a, we were going to land a big deal. And it was also (laughs) your greatest desire. But the problem is once you land that deal and it's 80% of your revenue, guess where your product is going? Yeah. And so it's important to build your revenues in a way that help you as an organization grow uh, and not just accelerate without any thought to where your growth trajectory is on on all the other you know areas of the business. Yeah, I was I was at a couple of startups that we were hopping from Lilypad to Lilypad following the revenue, but it wasn't in a straight line, and it wasn't taking us in the direction we wanted to go. It was keeping the company afloat, but it wasn't connecting to the right accounts. It wasn't on our trajectory. It wasn't finding a fit in the marketplace. It was just going from revenue stream to revenue stream. Yeah. Growth for growth's sake is a dangerous game. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so we talked a little bit about fit, about finding your place in the market. I think one of the other things too, and and this was something that I I found interesting from our, our prior talks was you have this great perspective on how the sausage is made, what's happening in the background in the marketing organization and, and the technology that's incorporated in it. And we talked a little bit about, you know, founders at times turning this over to the marketing person and letting them work within this black box of the tech stack for marketing and not being really intimately involved in that and where there's some dangers there. And then also just helping the, the organization understand like, the technology that you provide and what you're allowed, you help your customers do, helping them understand what's really happening in the tech space, where the consolidation's happening, and what things they should be thinking about. So let's talk a little bit about the dynamics of the marketing and the founder leadership in these organizations and and the technologies that they're using to help um, find customers, attract customers, and win customers. Yeah, I- uh, you know, it's an interesting, there's a lot of places to go here, right? Yeah. Um, one of one of which is if strategy and implementation are not, you know, intimately tied together. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, if you say to a marketer, let's go to market, they're going to immediately start grabbing leads, right? That's that's sort of what's <laughs> in their DNA. It's in, and, and, uh, and, and if you're in an account-based marketing 
there might be some differences there, of course, but in general, they're off to the races. Oh, I know a thousand types of programs we can run. We're going to, you know, um, combine them in a play. If you want to talk about ABM space, or, you know, or an inbound kind of model and so on and boom, they're gone. Right. Like, All right. Wait, wait a second. Maybe we should talk about strategy first, you know, <laughs> and, um, crazy and idea. yeah, crazy idea. And, and building a MarTech stack for the sake of technology, again, is sort of that cart before the horse concept. And so yeah. I think it's really important, especially when you're small and every person and what they do counts tenfold from when you're a bigger organization because you you can fill in gaps with all kinds of people and there's already structure and momentum and so on right so new people just sort of flow in if you will to where the organization has already been moving uh, presumably aligned but you know there's something there in a startup it's really really important uh, and I'll give you a great example I had a an organization come to me and say hey uh, we need to grow, right? We've, we've done a good job. We built up to, you know, I, I think it was 25 million a year or something like that, but we need to grow. And they were in the medical uh, device software space, fairly niche, but there's a lot of medical uh, devices that need software to make everything work, right? And so on. And I said to them, well, where have you generally got new business. I mean, where does it come from? I mean, you certainly got a great reputation. People know you and therefore they come, but that only gets you so far. How do you, how have you seen uh, things grow? And they said, well, you know, we, we see a lot from uh, the research teams at, at universities, right? Because that's what spawns companies often. Yeah. The research labs from the professors and the students, the grad students working for them. And I said, Oh, well, that's really interesting. So they're, they're thinking of Twitter and Facebook and, you know, all these digital modes. Yeah. And I said, give me an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And they said, oh, okay, you're going to take some notes. I said, no, no. So they gave me an eight and a half sheet of, uh, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And I started to write down some of their key capabilities. And then at the bottom, I, I drew out, you know, like uh, when you're looking for a roommate in college and they have the little tabs. <laughs> and, yeah. I, and I got a scissor and I cut those tabs so that people could tear them off and it had the name of the company, their company and a phone number. And I said, make, make, you know, a couple dozen of these and go to MIT, go to Harvard, go to all the places where these kinds of medical research groups are working and put them up on their pegboard. That fits their strategy. Now, is it high tech? Hell no. Grow the revenue? You bet it did. Right? Yeah. And so we need to think about how the strategy of growth should dictate the technologies uh, and the execution, the implementation plans of go-to-market. And we can't simply dump that on a marketer who is there to market, right? And right. if you don't provide them with strategy, that, that context, then they're going to be off to the races and potentially the wrong direction. Well, and, and I think that is so key, right? So while it's great to have a marketer on staff 
and someone that you can lean on and rely on, it's still ultimately the leadership and the founder's responsibility to set the strategy and the direction and to make sure that that's clearly stated to the marketer so that they can go in and execute. Because otherwise, you know, it's, it's the hammer in search of a nail thing, right? They'll go and market because that's what they know to do. Uh, we had a we had a great person on uh, Lauren Vaccarello in one of the early interviews, and she said, "You know, if you want leads, I'll get you leads. Give me a thousand iPads, and I'll go to a Giants game and get you a thousand leads." She's like, "I can guarantee a thousand leads with a thousand iPads, but they're not the quality of leads you want. You're going to be overblown in your costs, and you're probably not going to generate any revenue from those. So it's not it's not the lead itself, right? Now that's it's a ridiculous example, but it proves the point, right? It's not the lead." It's what's the quality of the lead and what's the interaction and what's the market you're going after. And in your low tech example of, hey, let's just have little tear off sheets in the lobbies at these institutions is spot on correct. Yeah, it worked. It worked really well. And I love I love that example about the iPads. I I, I uh, was being forced by a CEO in my marketing role way back when to go to one of the major shows, very expensive shows, and I was trying to tell this person that we're, we're not going to get an ROI out of this, right? Because the cost is so much higher than, you know, where we're really going to come out here. We can get awareness maybe and all that. And he said, I don't care. I want you to get me 6,000 leads. I said, all right, we're going. So we bought this booth and I trimmed the booth down. I didn't go for a 20 by 20, right? I, I went for like a tabletop. I just trimmed it all down. And in the first well, it wasn't the first hours. I had to wait for the first break. And in the first break, I made nearly half of my number. And I just sat in the men's room. And as people came in waiting, because there's always a line, I, I, I scanned their badge. That was it. I had, you know, in a matter of one, two breaks, I had already eclipsed our number. Now, are they useful? Are they useful at all? Hell no. Right. So <laughs> I love the iPad example. There's yeah. another one for your, uh, Oh, that's, your- I wish I would have had that one for the book. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been great. The, the, you know, the, the bathroom scan. I love <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't even need a booth. You don't even need, you just need to buy one ticket and come in and just hang out. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that those leads were not, um, um, all right, I'll go ahead and say it. Those leads were pretty shitty. They were pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to go there. That was just too that was too simple a runway to not pass. Yeah, I set it. that one up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for that. One of the things that I love, I mean love about C Suite Radio is well, it's our sponsors. They're the people that invest their time, effort, energy, their money into making this show happen, this network happen. So I'm super grateful. So in return, I'd love for you to take a listen to one of our sponsors today. All right, that was great. I really appreciated that. And now let's get back to our exciting interview with Matt Benatti. Um, yeah, so I think, look, the, the strategy becomes really important, really critical. And uh, I think that's one of the things that tends to get missed, which is, hey, I got a million other things I got to work on. And so I don't, I've hired this marketer. So I want to turn it over to them as quickly as possible. But unless you're setting them in the right course in the right direction, I think you're always going to be disappointed. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a founder, 
you also know the messaging and positioning better than the mar- the incoming marketer. Yeah. And generally, we don't really hire marketing as early as some other things, particularly product, right? Right. And the product team and the founders have had a lot of interaction with uh, maybe early customers, but certainly beta and alpha customers, you know, those kinds of things. And even the simple things of messaging are completely foreign at first. If you're not, you, you simply can't delegate this stuff. You have to work with yeah. those teams. So, so sage advice. That's perfect. All right. So let's, um, let's, you know, in the, in the immortal words we used earlier, let's pivot a little bit. Let's, let's okay. talk, let's talk a little bit about the, about the space. I mean, I think, again, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is because of the wealth of knowledge we can tap into you. A lot of consolidation in the space, right? We, we talked and even joked about looking at, you know, Scott Brinker's tech stack and what's in the space six, yeah. seven years ago and everyone going, oh, it's totally saturated. There's, there's 600 companies there. can't get any bigger, right? And now it's 7,000 7, and counting. And unless you're paying almost daily attention, the space is radically changing around you. So let's talk a little bit about the space, the direction of the space, and in particular for the founder who doesn't have the time to pay attention to it on a daily basis, but where the tech stack is going, where MarTech can help them evolve the, for them, and where it can take them going forward is super critical so help walk us through what's what's happening, what you're seeing, how do you keep a tabs on it, how do you keep on top of it all? It's a struggle. It, it, it's a it's a huge struggle. Um, it's a struggle even for Scott, right? So Scott is now over at HubSpot and uh, as 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 part of their strategy team, and he ha- is now working with a, a gentleman named Anand Thacker, who's actually an advisor. Uh, for my company. And so I have a little bit of an end to keep up with these kinds of things. But the the reality is that we're seeing a huge number. Uh, it, it, you know, it's not linear. Many, many more companies are coming into the MarTech stack, uh, which just seems impossible, right? But it's true. And at the same time, we're seeing consolidation because the platforms that are out there, say a Marketo or a Discover Org or a HubSpot, you know, they're, they're looking at where their strategy needs to bring them and what pieces they want to build and what pieces they want to buy, right? It's the age old question, build yeah. versus buy. And as more and more companies come into the space, um, you know, it, it can't necessarily sustain every niche play. And so what we're seeing is, uh, and I think maybe you and I talked about this, a marketing automation platform for something specific, like maybe the financial services industry or mm-hmm. the insurance industry. Well, a couple of years ago, that would be unheard of. You, you'd sort of morph at best, as best you can workflows within one of the more standard platforms to do this. But today, you've got organizations that are coming out for specific uh, space uh, or sectors so yeah. that you know, the features that they really need, which are very different than some other uh, segments, are there ready to go as opposed to otherwise. And then you get these larger organizations that say, wow, you know, that's a big segment for us. I mean, think about the IBMs of the world. They, they uh, have software platforms for most of the different uh, markets. And when they see something good, they're going to go buy that. So I think a recent type of acquisition is discover orgs acquisitions of rain king 
and then Zoom Info. Uh, that really helped them broaden out their portfolios because what they were seeing was maybe Rain King had a, a data set that they didn't, right? Um, and, and you could grow it organically or you could buy it. And so the Discover, Org, Discover Org made choices there, right? And, and purchased, uh, as well as tool sets. So Discover Org just announced, it was either yesterday or today, that they bought uh, Neverbounce. Hmm. So one of the main pieces of data for uh, B2B organizations is to be able to communicate uh, with, with folks that you're trying to reach out to. And email is, is king, right? Email is right. king in B2B. It's part of every go-to-market campaign or play you can think of. It's not the main, it's not always the only one, but it's certainly a big component. And so this is a critical piece of information. And now DiscoverOrg has a tool uh, to make sure that their accuracy for email addresses is as high as it can be, because mm. that's their claim to fame, right? Very accurate data. Uh, and so you see consolidation. We saw it with Adobe. Adobe was really well known uh, in the B2C space for marketing automation, uh, but they needed a stronger play in B2B. So they acquired Marketo recently. Huge, $475 million, I think it was. It was a massive deal. And, uh, you know, Marketo is a great company. Uh, You know, I think that synergy is going really, really well. The, The teams there have come together and you're seeing consolidation at a platform level, forget the, the little tool sets, even at the platform level, you're seeing these kinds of consolidations. Well, it was even interesting. So being at prior organizations like places like SAP, being in the financial sector and seeing us acquire companies that were the blank for financials. Very, very specific niche companies that did one thing and did it really, really well for one specific industry. And then they were again, you know, sort of gobbled up by the mothership. Right. And, and so I think, I think your point here of uh, the, the MarTech stack is not immune to the same uh, market dynamics that's happening elsewhere, which is these, the bigger companies are starting to look in and say, strategically, where are we going? What's our direction? And then how do we start to either build versus buy? And what's that acquisition strategy look like? It's at a fever's pitch in Mars in MarTech, frankly. Um, You know, we're seeing all kinds of cool technology, AI, right? Machine learning, natural language processing, analytics, um, data, big data sets being combined for analytics. All of that is bringing a new level of automation and complex uh, analysis um, and, 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 you know, thought processing that a human can't do without some of these tools that are out there. And, you know, the number that are coming into the space right now is insane. Uh, And so somebody has to make sense of these, right? You cannot as a marketer, by a hundred tools in one year. Yeah. You, you just, you can't absorb it that fast. And so one of the great things about the um, consolidation aspect is that when a platform starts to build these or, or um, acquire these, uh, you, you typically in these larger companies have account reps or uh, 
you know, once post sale and they can help you as a customer of theirs map out, okay, let's align the different features in our platform. Oh, by the way, we acquired, you know, hundreds of these, uh, but let's align your strategy with which features we should turn on over time. And let's plan that out. It's, Hmm. it's, it's usually helpful to have a guidepost like that, uh, you know, a path to walk and somebody that knows how to walk that path yeah. rather than you trying to explore Scott's five to 7,000 or whatever uh, point solutions. Yeah. Just very difficult. Well, and just, I mean, honestly, just looking at the heat map of what's happening in the space, just looking at those logos and then trying to make sense of it all, then knowing all the features that are within it to map that to your strategy, forget it. No, no founder's got the time to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. And, and they're usually focused on one or two things uh, to begin with anyway. Right. So, um, you know, I, I feel for the startups that are trying to get voice out there as well. Yes. Right. Cause they're playing in this swirl and they know they've got the best thing since sliced bread, but they can't get uh, enough voice to let the founders know you really need this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the, that's the real struggle. And so, okay. So on was our very first podcast interview. He's a, he's a oh, great right. person to follow, right? He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's part of the book. Um, Scott's certainly a resource, you know, people can find him, Scott Brinker, uh, certainly look at HubSpot and you can find him there. But what are some other great places, locations, if you're a founder still trying to sort of figure this out, what do you, what do you recommend? Following you, of course. Of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah, you, you can all do much better than following me. Um, <laughs> nah. <laughs> there, there are a lot of great, you know, you know who's really, uh, I find really sharp is uh, the combination of Paul uh, Tashima and, and Steve Woods out at um, Nudge. Okay. Those guys came out. They were uh, core um, founders of the um, of Eloqua originally. Yeah. And they've started Nudge. Uh, I think they're really sharp. They're dynamic. Uh, they're always willing to help. Um, so really personable. Um, so th- I follow them. I try and keep up with them. And they're very gracious with, with time and energy. Uh, Love so that. I, I really, I, I think they're a super, super uh, duo. Actually. Yeah. And, and I love Nudge. I, I can't remember. Is it, is it Nudge.com or AI? I think it's AI. .ai yeah. yeah. So Nudge.ai. Certainly yeah. check them out and, and yep. follow those guys. That would be fantastic. And, and you and I were talking about um, fit of, of folks within an organization, right? Uh, I don't know that we want to go into where, you know, which type of person to hire first and second and all that kind of thing, but just fit within an organization. And in startups, the impact of every single person is critically important. And so when hiring, as founders, we need to know exactly what we want these folks to do. Maybe not exactly how to do it, but what they're going to be responsible for. And so as founders, we have to be killer HR people too. Right. Right. That's, that's hard to do. I mean, we, we may come out of the tech space and be uh, a brilliant, you know, programmer and have never hired anybody before. How am I supposed to be an HR person? Or maybe I was the great marketer, uh, you know, and, and found this problem out there and I wanted to solve it, but I only hired a couple of people before. How do we do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I would look to uh, folks like Eric Pratt over at um, 
Revenue River Marketing in Colorado. I'll give a shout out to Eric because I think that, you know, Eric is one of those people that is just super, super smart when it comes to hiring. You can go up to any one of his employees at any time and say, what are your responsibilities and goals? And they will tell you a one, two, three, literally of each one of those. And they know it by heart and they think about it every day, all day. And when they come in in the morning, they know exactly what they're going to do because Eric builds teams that have purpose and direction and accountability. Um, and I haven't seen many people do it better than Eric. I mean, he is yeah. really good at this. All right. So that's a, that's a great shout out, Eric Pratt over at Revenue River Marketing. Yep. And you can see his videos. He interviews his people. Yeah. Uh, and you can go to YouTube awesome. and see him just to, you know, see what I'm talking about. It's a, you'll be amazed. Honestly, you'll be amazed. All right. So uh, we're going to have to wrap up here in a second because the time goes very quickly. But I loved how we talked about pain pain and fit, right? We started off with just talking about what was happening in a space, finding your fit in the marketplace, um, your kind of acquisition strategy. And again, we talked a lot about leads being vacuous in and of themselves. But what's the thing that you're really trying to do? And it doesn't have to always be high tech. It can be as literal as, you know, doing tear sheets in a, in a college dorm, right? There you go. Not, not suggesting that for everybody, but it's like finding the right fit and finding your audience and finding a way to connect to them. And it sounds super simple, but it gets missed all the time. You talked a lot about the consolidation in the space and how important it is for, in particular, the founder to set the strategy for their marketer and to make sure that that person knows their roles and responsibilities. And you even tied that in at the last bit of conversation about actually having these people know one, two, three, exactly what they do, what they're responsible for, where the company's going and what their role is in it and how they see themselves fitting into that. And that is so rare in most organizations, easy to say, hard to do. When you see somebody do it and do it really well, you want to try and copy that. So good shout out to Eric. And then just a fantastic conversation with you in terms of, you know, having gone through this now founding and running your own company um, you know, this whole process and what this looks like for you. And as you're navigating your way through this morass of the, you know, MarTech stack, right? Finding your voice and finding your way to articulate your voice in that is, is so crucial. So um, once again, you know, Matt, CEO of LeadNow, thank you for coming on spending some time with us today. Certainly encourage you to follow Matt, um, even though his humility gets in the way of allowing you to do that, but follow him anyway. Great guy, great resource, knows his stuff. And it's been a pleasure to talk to him across all these different lenses. So Matt, thank you for hopping on the call today. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Thanks so much. All right. That was perfect. Love, again, love listening to Matt. I mean, there were a couple things that he really uh, said that sort of fit and hit with me. And it, the first one is really this idea of market fit. And, and I heard this from a lot of founders. You know, his take on it is market fits one of those things that every founder believes they have immediately and the reality is, rarely do we ever find that fit immediately. It just doesn't happen. And I think most founders believe, I've built this amazing product, I'm passionate about it, therefore the market is there. And it becomes this ready, fire, aim approach into the marketplace. I also love Matt's passion around this idea of being in a small startup and having a large impact. One of the things that I heard from early founders, early stage investors, 
early stage advisors, mentors. One of the things I feel working with smaller startups or early stage startups and people that join and put their time, effort and equity into uh, helping build a smaller company and make it big. It's that idea that you can have a really large impact, that you have a seat at the table and you can make things build, grow and evolve. If you want to follow Matt and continue to follow Matt, I suggest you do. He is Matt Bonatti at Twitter, M-A-T-T-B-E-N-A-T-I. You can also find his website on Facebook as Lead Gnome. Don't forget to put the G in there, L-E-A-D-G-N-O-M-E. And then follow him on LinkedIn at Matt Bonatti, same spelling as Twitter. So as for me, well, I would love for you to look at Matt and similar insights from the book Beyond Product, now available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and at your favorite local retailer or e-tailer. That's Beyond Product, the book founded for founders, walking you through five steps of what your marketing strategy into uh, your new marketplace and as to find your customers, how to do it, where to be, who to find to help you, everything you need to know to help you become a, an amazing founder even more quickly. That's it for this week. Look forward to another in the series of CEOs as we start winding down 2019 with a recap in December and then some new exciting news for what we're doing in 2020. Stay tuned. Thanks again. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.